Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is the 25th of May, 2020. This is episode 295. Happy Memorial Day. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll remind ourselves that, well, there's really nothing left to talk about in the world of Orioles baseball. And we'll remind that remind you that there's really nothing to talk about in the world of Orioles baseball. But Jake, we are... Once again, back together again, six feet apart. Um, we have decided to, in essence, pop onto the SD Studios porch. Yes, there has been a renovation over this uh, hiatus, uh, and we are having drinks of the week together once again. I am staring longingly into your eyes, listening to the birds of Bird's Eye View chirp, and feeling a little less crazy for not pacing the same steps at my house. Well, congratulations. Yes, but... Even better than that, Scott, we've made this a family affair. Absolutely. Just a little bit after the baseball widows having joined us on Bird's Eye View to do their annual segment, they've been kind enough to to sit here on the porch, enjoy some porch drinks, and take in another glorious episode of Bird's Eye View. Some true family time. So in honor of all of the to-go ordering we've been doing, I think I'm going to take this orange solo cup of wine to go. Hey, Carrie, you want to go for a walk? Bye, boys. Enjoy this porch love fest. Oh, well. Just remember, the neighbors can see you. This is the first episode that Sarah would have heard in a good seven years, so I I guess that was her her cue to leave. The Baltimoreans are still updating in her podcast feed, so... <laughs> well, Jake, what are you drinking this evening? I I've brought a cornucopia of of beverage delights. I have uh, a loose cannon that okay. I'm drinking now. I have a double cannon for when things get very serious, and I brought some Michelob Ultra in case I need to hydrate. Okay, gotcha. What about you? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a sour beer. It's called Proper Berry Ale. Um, it's a mixture of strawberry, raspberry, and blueberry from Independent Brewing Company. Nice. I have found that drive through uh, beer pickups. Uh, are my jam. Sarah and I walked into Bel Air, yeah, which is not that far from our house. Yeah, I mean, it was like th- less, th- maybe three and a half miles. We walked to Independent only to find out that it was drive-through only. Yeah, and without a car, it was a sad state of affairs. Yeah, it's uh, you apparently have to have a bike and or a car. You can't just walk up. So, Jake, I don't think I could see you on a bike, but I, I have a. I have a drink of the week confession to make. Okay. I know that's the wrong podcast, but yeah. can I make a confession? Uh, yes, you can make a confession because I don't think that podcast is in syndication anymore any, either. I have spent the last several years, several years, poo-pooing the Loose Cannon Citrus IPA. Yeah. Bought a, bought a uh, IPA sampler pack from Loose Cannon this past week and really enjoyed the Citrus IPA. So this is the Tropicannon? Yeah. See, I'm not a huge fan of the Tropicana. Uh, I feel like it, it has a little bit more, too much of an artificial citrus note. I, that was exactly my complaint. Now, either I have been inside too long that I was right. desperate, or I am losing my ability to taste. So you feel like the artificial note is gone now? 
Um, whatever it was about it, whatever quality about it bothered me. Yeah. It doesn't bother me as much. Okay. So this tells me that I need to try it again. Perhaps they changed things up after getting some flack and maybe they have gone to a new flavoring uh, in order to try to mellow it out a little bit. Well, clearly former Bird's Eye View guest Hugh Sisson must be tailoring his exact brewing to the taste of the show. Trust me, I, I guarantee he's listening to the show on a weekly basis and being like, all right, that's a misbatch, guys. Just dump it. Dump all of it. We're not using it. Jake and Scott said it's not appropriate. Actually, Jake said he'd drink a ton of it, but we're not we're not going to brew this anymore. <laughs> if Jake will drink it, throw it out. Yes. <laughs> all right, well, we've made good progress here. If you'd like to see what we are drinking on a weekly, daily, hourly basis, and you'd like to get social with us uh, as if it were a bar, please Come get social with us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MAGN8606. And with that, let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. All right. First on the Twitters this week, Scotty, it is a cruel, cruel summer. And this first tweet comes to us from Dan Connolly, who, of course, tweets at Dan Connolly 2016. According to an industry source, hashtag Orioles released 37 minor leaguers uh, Friday, part of usual house cleaning that happens in March and April, but was delayed this year. Among those cut were the organization's former number four prospect. Uh, is it Yomar Reyes? Yes. And two sons of ex-Orioles standouts. Now, of course, there's a, a link to The Athletic, and if you are a subscriber, you can see all 37 names and, and what was stated there. Uh, the two ex-Orioles are uh, Rafael Palmeira's son and Chris Hoyle's son. But I'm interested about Reyes. I mean, I, I guess this is just a, a former prospect that didn't pan out, and they, they decided to let him go. We kept hearing about his bat, um, hoping that he was going to find some defensive position Never materialized, and again, while we don't get too high on prospects, but the fact that he never really cracked into a top 100, even a top 200 prospect standpoint, it was always a a what-if proposal for him, more so than a um, a nothing there. I think also when we look back at the Dan Duquette regime, uh, we look at Areas and we're just like, well, there's very little in the cabinet, so we've got to hope for something. Um, And now there's a lot more players um, in, in the farm system um, both in terms of position players, but also pitchers that are a lot more encouraging and interesting. So, I mean, I think it makes sense for the Orioles to basically move on. Um, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting also to say that this is normal housekeeping. You know, this isn't related to 42 minor league teams getting hacked. Uh, maybe a little bit, but... So say a yes. the Orioles. <laughs> um, but if, if this was the type of deal where they waited as long as they physically could uh, before making the cut, you know, I, I suppose that's okay. All right, well, let's go to the next tweet. Um, so, Jake, I, I don't know if you noticed this this internet t- trend or this Twitter twen- trend, but there is one that's going around saying my plans and then 2020. And you're basically supposed to put, you know, a picture of what your big plans were for the year and then what 2020 has come out to be. What? You don't know if I'm familiar with this? I, I'm not sure. Scotty, you you participated in this as such that my phone hasn't stopped vibrating for weeks. Uh, it's listen, I know it was just a, a little thing, you know, just wanted to see what people thought. And, um, yeah, people are very opinionated about, uh, Jim Hunter and Mike Bordick. Apparently listen, when the Zach Britton death threats stop coming in, <laughs> I'll let you know. All right. That, that sounds good. But the Orioles did a great job here, um, with their, my plans versus 2020 pictures, um, showing Austin Hayes with the great catch last season, uh, and for 2020, then they went back to the Tony Teresco Jeffrey Mayer catch. Um, <laughs> so brutal. Which is a little brutal. Um, 
I'm a little surprised to see the Orioles social media account going into this, but I got to say, I love it. Yeah. It, no. This is exactly the kind of content I want to see. And, you know, we talked about this several year, uh, years, several weeks ago, it seems like forever ago, when we were talking about how, you know, in the wake of uh, Olivia Witherite, you know, really reshaping or shaping, as it were, the social media department and then leaving it in such great hands. This is exactly the kind of stuff that we now see from the Orioles more frequently, which I, uh, I'm i a big fan of. Yeah, this is the kind of snark that we want to see more often of. Again, you can love your team, but also show a little snark at the same time. All right, the next tweet comes to us from Baltimore Memes, who tweet at Baltimore Memes. This is fine, crying face emoji, baseball emoji, hashtag Orioles, hashtag Birdland. It is, uh, you know, it's the dog on fire meme. Today is the first Memorial Day without a Major League Baseball game since 1880. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. So uh, the next tweet I want to cover is, well, these were the good old days, Jake. And this was in 2014 or 2012 or even 2016. This is back in 1996. And Barstool at RDT, or Eric I-T-T-I. 2-2, if you want to follow him. Um, when the Orioles used to put bleachers on the flag court, you knew it meant business. Should have done it in 2014. Jake, where do you stand on this one? Well, let me ask you, why didn't it happen in 2014? I, I don't think it was necessary. All right. I understand that you know the Orioles have reduced the, the seating capacity of Camden Yards in the interest of making more money with the seats that they do have, right? Making yeah. the experience better, whether yeah. it be the Miller Lite flight deck or the uh, whatever those seats are called that are shaped like the d- baseball diamond. You want the social ambiance, as it were. Right, right, right. I understand that they've done all that. But when it comes to selling postseason tickets... I also say the birds don't like the bleachers either, but... <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to selling postseason tickets, being able to put a butt-ton more bleachers into the park seems like a no-brainer to me. I feel like it was uh, another, like... Two or three thousand seats. I think it got out to like forty nine thousand during those pl- playoff games. And what's the cheapest playoff ticket in twenty fourteen? I think it was like twenty five bucks or something like that. I mean, it's it's a good amount of money, but I also feel like being able to see the flag court and being able to see the warehouse really makes up for it. Um, I feel like it cheapens the whole dynamic. So, are you saying that the Orioles chose to do? the right thing in the face of being able to make more money? What I'm saying is if the Orioles really wanted to put additional bleachers out there, they probably could put it out in statue court. All right. All right. Uh, It seems unusual to praise the Orioles for, you know, not being cheap and doing the right thing and making the playoffs is a very weird conversation. It's also weird to go back and look at those videos and just see how many people are wearing white shirts. Like, it's just, there's no Orioles gear whatsoever. It's just white shirt upon white shirt. It is weird. Yeah. It is weird. I would love to, I would love to see a still frame shot of the stands across Major League Baseball year by year to see when, you know, team gear really took over. Yeah. All right. The next tweet comes to us from friend of the program, Justin McGuire at J McGuire MLB. And he says, guys, Elton John just isn't that good. This is in reference to a long discussion he's been having today on, on the Twitters, which I'm all about. He he asked the, the hard-hitting question, Scott. He asked, who's the greatest American band? And then he asked, okay, conversely, the best British band is obvious. So yeah. what is the best British solo, solo. 
artist. Yeah. He he guessed perhaps Bowie. You said Elton John. I think Bowie's a perfectly good choice. Yeah. Uh, I think it's perfectly good. I just think that if you look at the catalog of Bowie versus uh, John, um, I just think Elton's just a little bit higher up there. Um, I put him in like a category of like Elvis, basically, in terms of top hits. And again, they're two totally, completely different artists. Um, but I just feel like from a cultural dynamic standpoint, I feel like Elton is a little bit higher up there. And I have to say, I think Bowie is getting a little trumped up as well, based off the whole death aspect as well. Sure. Great artist. Um, one of my favorite. But again, um, you know, I danced Elton John at my wedding. So again, it's always going to be sentimental in my heart. Mm. Which song? What do you think? Um, I mean, you want the smart ass answer? Sure. A Crocodile Rock. No. <laughs> I went with your song. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. My, my uh, favorite part of this um, Jean into into music from yeah. Justin was that he also uh, pulled out a couple of uh, other questions, one of which was most underrated Beatles song, yeah. which I, mean, I just didn't have the six hours to have that conversation right. that day. Uh, but there, could, there could be a whole podcast series about this with you and Justin arguing about this. Dude, I've almost started three <laughs> Beatles-related podcasts in the, in the time we've been doing this show. Uh, but I will say that in the times of no baseball, yeah. This is the content I look for. Yeah, this is. I, I saw this pop up with uh, Rubber Soul basically being posted as a gift by Justin McGuire. And I'm like, if Jake English isn't making love to this tweet right now, um, we've got issues today. So there, there, are, um, there are stains in the house that cannot be explained by the new puppy. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming you're not going with either John Lennon or Paul McCartney as the greatest single uh, art, singles artist of all time? No, no. I, I can I can understand the argument that, that they don't fit into that category. Right. They, they There's an asterisk next right. to them. They're like Barry Bonds. You know, they're probably the greatest of all time, but they cannot meet that qualification. They're the Astros because Ringo, at some point, had to have banged on a trash Right. Game. Absolutely. All right. So this is the this is the hard heading baseball. Uh, Does that make that we go the to? Nationals the Yoko? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, they make they make it makes them the Yoko Ono of the DMV. <laughs> okay, good. I just want to make sure that I got that correct. All right, Scotty, I did want to talk about a couple of baseball things and then get the heck out of here and get to the porch drinking. All right, let's let's go ahead and do that and uh, figure out who's to blame with for everything going on. I had an interesting discussion this week where someone mused aloud as to whether or not the uh, with with Major League Baseball making proposals to get the game uh, back in operation by early July, whether the players were at risk of losing the court of public opinion, if you will, for not bringing back baseball. And you know, we, you and I, uh, discussed a couple weeks ago about. Um, baseball's original proposal and you know I, I understand there's another proposal in the works now to see if the players will take that and we talked about the pros and cons from the player side and why they would or wouldn't do it but I'm interested about this thought about the, the court of public opinion and and whatnot so I've I've come to the porch of the greatest baseball mind I know and let me ask you 
is there a way that this issue can be framed other than the players are being asked to decide and therefore negotiate what the price of putting themselves at great health risk is for a 2020 season? I mean, sure. Um, I, I think, you know, what this is going to end up being is um, if the Players Association and Major League Baseball owners can't come to some kind of agreement, I think we're going to see the, um, you know, this given shift of political ideals um, where we're going to see individuals that, in essence, have come back and blamed the government and stuff like that are going to come back and say, well, the players should just suck it up. They don't realize, you know, how difficult other folks have it, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, they should, you know, put the efforts of their selves above, you know, all this given aspect. Um, but, but the other standpoint is just like you and me, we oftentimes see um, how much of an impact can it can have for those families. And again, it's the same th- standpoint of, um, you know, make people making arguments saying, well, they should just go back to work. You know, if they want to have a job, they should go have a job. Like, why should they get, you know, government bailout accordingly? Um, and, I, and I think it's just this aspect of either, you know, caring for oneself or caring for others, which is going to be, you know, this dichotomy that we have seen over the past, um, we'll call it four years, um, give or take. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see how history will look back at this time in baseball. And, you know, I, I really hope that there aren't heroes and villains of bringing baseball back sure. other than the ones that wear scrubs. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see if there are those that view, you know, Major League Baseball players as as being prima donnas sure. for not wanting to put themselves at risk to go back, you know, whether it's too soon or, or not. And to, I definitely think we're going to see that. I mean, we have seen that in terms of social media where people have, in essence, chastised reporters and everything for wearing masks into public crowds just to do their jobs. Um, so I, I definitely think there will be a group that will do that. I, I think on a whole, it'll be a minority group. Um, and, and I think at the very end of the day, um, I don't think it'll have a lasting negative impact. Um, you know, even some of the negative impacts that we saw, um, with, uh, NFL players, for example, taking a knee, um, that quickly came back and rebounded. The NFL had some of its greatest ratings in this past season. So I don't think the court of public opinion is one where it lasts. I think if you like the game, you're going to come back and, and, and enjoy the game. I'm really, I'm really interested about what you just said, because my next question was about, you know, what is the nearest uh, comparison that we have? You know, is it the strike in 94? And, you know, what were the the minority versus the the majority of folks saying about the players? About uh, But that conversation aside, you went to more of the, you know, the culture war side of it sure. with the NFL and with kneeling. You know, I look at at a industry like baseball and I wonder, you know, if if certain people are meant to feel, you know, a certain way about the players or, or the owners or what have you, how long is the impact of that? I, I feel like whenever baseball comes back, you know, whether it's in 2020, 21, whatever, whenever baseball comes back, we're going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Fans will be there. I, I, I just can't imagine that there are enough people that could be, you know, that upset over, um, over a delay of baseball and, you know, looking at baseball as a, what, $10 billion industry or whatever, how long was the blip that the strike caused? Um, and what what did it do financially to the game? I, I don't think that if you're the Players Association, or conversely, if you're the, the owners, you need to worry about the court of public opinion at this point. Do you? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, I think it, it is what it is. And um, I think... As you pointed out, they're just going to sit on it and ride it as long as possible. 
you know, I look back at the 94, you know, strike and I don't know if it's quite the same similarity because I really thought at that point it was a lot of finger pointing on both sides. We may get to that point. Um, but in this given, you know, matter, it, there is a health and public, you know, safety concern, not just for the players, but also the families um, that are being touched as well. So, you know, I can completely understand where they're coming from. Uh, I do think that, um, you know, I mentioned this before, I do think Major League Baseball is potentially giving up a massive boon as it is to bring in a new audience. I don't think it's going to have a drastic negative impact going forward in the future. But I do think that if Major League Baseball could manage to get back and they could play in July, August and September, uh, it can only do amazing things for the game to come for this generation that is upcoming. You know, that's that's interesting because one, it, it would be the only game in town. Right. Right. The only thing going on. And two, I mean, it would kind of have the post 9-11 feel to it. Right. Right. I mean, as jangoistic as that is, I mean, y- you there would be a lot of, you know, good feels over being able to watch a baseball game. And people would just want to see it. It's kind of like they want to see what happens by this occurring. It's, it's the same thing, for example, like Main Street businesses opening up. People have flocked back into it. We saw... Ocean City, Maryland opened up and people, in essence, wanted to be in that environment, in that element. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but what I am saying is it's an easy way to draw a very quick audience. And now certainly I, I know the Major League Baseball owners know this um, and, and Major League Baseball players are going to have to weigh that out and say, is it worthwhile for me to take that risk for me and my family um, you know, now? Um, and what is the payout at this moment for this year, and what could be the potential payoff going forward in the future for themselves as well? Sure. And again, I can't make that decision. I don't know what I would make it as a decision for a player um, at this time, um, given the situation. Um, it's 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 incredibly difficult. Look, I don't want to relitigate, you know, rehab the conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to ask you this. You yeah, know, you you brought up the NFL culture war. You know, we, we seem to be gripped in a, a bit of a culture war here with pu- public safety. And so I ask you, Scott, yeah. when are major league catchers going to stop being such cowards and go onto the field without masks? Um, as soon as uh, your son uh, can't break his ball, his arm in a wiffle no, ball game. <laughs> he's, 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 his ball. He's not, he's not Caleb Joseph. He's not catching for the Orioles. Yeah. He's not at risk. There. Um, but yeah, it's... It's a tough, tough matter. I mean, I still think that um, Major League Baseball is going to figure this out, and I think they're going to hit their their July time frame that they want to do. Um, I think it's going to be rushed, um, but I think they're going to figure out some way to do it. All right. Well, we don't know when baseball will come back. We don't know what it will look like. When July third, but one o'clock. Be there. But let's just hope, Scott, that when it does, it's the year. 2020. Scotty, I think we can all agree that 2020 uh, is when the human race officially jumped the shark. Right. I mean, when you think back to before COVID-19 and realize that this year, 2020, was still the same calendar year in which we had to deal with. I mean, just look, look, look at this list. 
an unprecedented extinction level event in Australia with the fires. We had impeachment hearings in the United States. We had tensions with Iran that had World War III trending on Twitter and in our nightmares. Kobe Bryant died in a, on a horrible helicopter accident. Brexit became official. There was the Harvey Weinstein trial. A primary election in Iowa was calling the question because of a faulty application. And Scott, there is something called the murder hornet that lives outside of my own darkest fears. Oof. 2020 is no joke. Dark times. And that's totally outside of this COVID thing. And then again, without the, the very real and terrible specter of COVID-19, you would still be only five months into this horrible year. This, this crazy year that even under the best conditions would still have us looking forward, if you can say that, Oof. to the American election. And more importantly, the worst of all possible horrors, the 2020 baseball season. Oh, especially the 2020 Baltimore Orioles. Absolutely. So, Scott, I mean, I, I don't even want to think about it, but we have to ask the important questions here at Bird's Eye View. And so it makes me wonder, what else could possibly happen this year in the year 2020? In the year 2020? The year 2020. Major League Baseball tries to find new ways to make the game interesting, and with a shortened season, introduces the, con uh, the concept of the money ball. The Oakland Athletics, of course, misunderstand the concept and come in last in the league in all relevant money ball statistics, but it's real, and it leads to a lot of great scoring. In the year 2020, in the year 2020, Jonas Espedes realizing the issues with meat production in North America, decides to come out as a vegan to all the populace of Major League Baseball. Greatly disappointed, Suspedis Family Barbecue has to change their podcast to Suspedis Hummus and Feta Platter. In the year 2020, in the year 2020, can I just say that I'm really hoping that one of your neighbors comes out angry at some point. I hope so, too. We in haven't the, hit quiet hours yet. <laughs> in the year 2020, the Baltimore Orioles can finally put the move to Nashville rumors behind them as the 42 eliminated minor league baseball teams band together to form an independent league headquartered in Nashville and anchored by the local sounds. In the year 2020... In the year 2020! In the next few months, a journal article is released in the Journal of American Modern Medicine indicating that pie-flinging is a clear example of lack of social distancing and a clear way to spread COVID to your fellow teammates. Mark Trumbo is vindicated by the remainder of the 2014 Baltimore Orioles. I'm sorry, the 2016 Baltimore Orioles. And Adam Jones is asked to remain in Japan for the rest of his life. In the year 2020. In the year 2020. In the year 2020. The Baltimore Orioles finished the season first. Um, in our hearts and last in the American League. 
In the year 2020, in the year 2020. Jake, baseball season managed to get back on track in July, just as everyone had predicted. Rob Manfred gets everything he wants. Baseball players come back. Major minor league baseball continues to axe teams left and right to further boost up the profits of major league baseball. And best of all, the Yankees capture their elusive 28th ring. In the year 2020. In the year 2020. Man, that ended dark. Yeah. Well, it was the year 2020. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please let us know what what did we possibly, possibly forget. Uh, tweet at us, at BirdseyeViewBAL, and let us know what you think will happen in the year 2020. Scotty, it's getting dark. My drink's getting low. And it's time to blow the save and get out of here. Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So, folks, uh, you know, it's been an interesting time with a lack of baseball, a lack of sports. Um, I think we've all been desperate to, uh, you know, have sports back in our lives. But I'm not so sure that I'm so desperate to sit down and have to watch a game of golf being held by Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Folks, I understand that desperate needs, desperate times calls for desperate matters, but folks, um, you know, there are better things to watch on television right now. If you need a list of, uh, you know, animated cartoons or television shows that you should be following, reach out to us here at Bird's Eye View and we will put you in good touch with the illustrious Charlie Hoppus and he will tell you exactly what you should be watching at this time. All right. You're not interested in that foursome. No, I'm not interested in that foursome whatsoever. I will ask you the burning question. Okay. Then. Beatles. What? <laughs> What foursome, okay, starting off good, Okay. what foursome would entice you to watch a full round of golf? A full round of golf? Uh, I don't think there is a, a, a foursome that could entice me to watch a full round of golf. Hear me out. Okay. What foursome would entice you to watch a full round of mini golf? Oh, now we're talking. And shame on us as a society for not filming that. All right, so I'm thinking... Because I'm going to keep it Orioles theme because it's an Orioles podcast. Is it? Is it really? It isn't somewhat. I mean, it, it, very loosely, just like, you know, Orioles Plastics was a loosely based Arrested Development <laughs> like podcast. Orioles, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to go with Adam Jones, of course. Of course. Uh, I'm going to go with Wayne Kirby. I'm going to go with Buck Showalter. Uh, and then I'm going to go with Put a Bird on It, Robert Andino, uh, mm-hmm. to line up and finish up that, that set. All right. I love all of that. Yeah. But. I don't think it's got enough crazy in it. Okay. So we've got to start with the sheriff. Okay. But whatever other foursome you got going on, the sheriff, Tommy Hunter. Okay. Okay. Just because— Every I, single time he gets a hole done, he pounds a Bud Light. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Just because somebody's got to bring up the rear. Yeah. Brian Mattis. Okay. And then I want to bring in prime Chris Davis— because I feel like Chris Davis wouldn't understand the concept of mini golf, and it would just be Hulk smash. Oh, that, that makes sense. I mean, if we're thinking about other folks, I'm thinking uh, Diana Roberts one, Diana Roberts clone number two, Diana Roberts clone number three, and then myself. Um, and we, we could just see what happens on the 18th hole. That does sound like your your ideal foursome. 
It's a good thing our wives took that walk. <laughs> it is. It is a good thing that no one listens to the show. Right. And that. That is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback. It encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. Join us on the, on the virtual porch. You can uh, email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. If you would like to send Zach Britton-related hate mail, it's scott at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media all over the place. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Thanks to the most patient of wives. Somewhat. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.